Okay, so I would definitely um, want to keep encouraging tonight as a practice night. I'm very interested in what does it mean to practice 24-7. And so what is it to practice right now? And one of the pieces that I'm going to be talking about is for the next number of times that I'm here, I'm going to, I want to talk about uh, the body and the likeness that's here, and the, what's generally talked about as awareness of the body or mindfulness of the body. So I want to encourage it, because it's, it's one of the areas, it's, it's maybe the easiest area for us to practice 24-7 by being aware of our body, being aware of our aliveness, being aware of this physical, somatic, kinesthetic, experience that we call me, right? But of course you call it me too, but it's the different me. But, but really paying attention, and it's a really beautiful part of what we're doing here and why awareness is a powerful practice. <clears throat> and it's key, it's a key part of practice in Buddhism. Here, this is, um, let's see, I have a lot of quotes tonight. We'll see what you get. Let's try this one. This is from the Buddha. He said, one thing, oh, bhikkhus, bhikkhus means practitioners. One thing, practitioners, if developed and frequently practiced, leads to a deep stirring of the heart and mind. One thing, if developed and frequently practiced, leads to a deep stirring of the heart and mind, to great benefit, to great security, to, f to great security from toil, to mindfulness and clear comprehension, to the attainment of vision and knowledge, to a happy abiding in this very life, to the realization of the fruit of knowledge and deliverance. What is this one thing? It is the mindful awareness or mindful contemplation of the body. And so the Buddha's here giving you, giving us a lot of carrots. He's saying, oh, here's some goodies if, you, if you're interested, right? Uh, a deep stirring of the heart and mind, um, great benefit, great security from toil, mindfulness, clear comprehension, the attainment of vision and knowledge. Now he's starting to point to some of the, the deeper potentials of meditation practice, to a happy abiding in this very life, to the realization of the fruit of knowledge and deliverance. That's another metaphor for awakening, right? The realization of the fruit of awakening, or realization, or enlightenment, or whatever word we want to use but he's pointing to something that's right here, or that's available to us, and he's saying, here's, here's a beautiful doorway, and it's sitting in your seat. It is what's sitting in your seat. And it's what's, what we all know as, conventionally, me, right? It's the usual way we think about ourselves, is, oh, we're this person with this body and to start to get a little more aware of the bodiness and then closer to it, more aware in a more intimate kind of way, in a more 
um, uh, seeing what happens as the awareness or consciousness starts to permeate the bodily experience so that it's known very intimately, very closely, very personally, and paradoxically, it will then also become very impersonal, both personal and impersonal, as it's being known. And so I would like to teach about the body for a number of weeks, and there's a lot of different practices that the Buddha gave about the body, and a lot of different teachings about the body itself. And we'll be playing with them. And I like the word play because it's, it brings our interest in, it makes it a little more fun. It's not something where you have to work really hard and then you'll be a great meditator. And, you know, and that, that can happen. Some people like to work really hard. But that has its pluses and minuses. Because um, uh, I personally, myself, I knew how to work really, really hard and did for many years. And then at a certain point, that becomes a little bit of a barrier also. And because part of what happens and what can happen even now as you start to, we start to become aware of our bodies is to start to relax into this embodied experience that we call being a human being. And, and so one of the key pieces that I like to stress is the both an embodied awareness, which is sitting here in each seat already and starting to become aware of that and becoming aware of the relaxing that is one of the great supports or benefits for what the Buddha pointed at, which is waking up or beginning to realize who and what we are, or the reality that's sitting in each seat here. And, um, and I, uh, I want to especially um, uh, thread in a few teachers who I've really appreciated in the last few years. One is uh, uh, Analyo Bhikkhu, who has written what I think, and most people would not agree with me, but. Uh, I think is the best book on mindfulness maybe ever called the Satipatthana, The Direct Path to Realization. And it's a very scholarly to some degree book. It's not just stories. It's not, it's not your usual like spirit rock kind of book around mindfulness. It's not great stories and beautiful things and oh, isn't that cool or hard. But, it's, but he's talking about how to practice quite systematically. And one of the things he emphasizes is relaxation. And I've always appreciated, and I sat with Analia recently, and I had a great time, because he's very precise, and he knows how to teach the whole Satipatthana, which is really the word mindfulness comes from Satipatthana. Sati can be translated as mindful or as aware, either way. Um, and, and, but it's the, it's, the, it's the teaching, the Satipatthana Sutta has the, what, what we generally call the four foundations of mindfulness, and all the different practices of mindfulness are in that sutta. And so it's fun to, to practice with Analyo, 
who's a really beautiful teacher, and he'll be back here next year, I believe. So I encourage that. Go or Utejanita, who's also somebody I've sat with in the last few years, who's a Burmese teacher. Analia is a Western monk. You know, he's been a monk in, in you know, for 30 years or something, but, but he's from Germany originally. And Utejanita is a Burmese uh, teacher. And uh, Utejanita is totally about awareness and relaxing and learning how to relax here so that the consciousness can mature, the, the awareness can develop, can mature, meaning start to realize what the Buddha pointed at. And, and it's here for all of us, it's available for all of us. And the body is a great place to start. Like just now, just, and even here, you could do this, even more important than listening to me, be aware of your body. And see what it's like to be aware of your body. And, and then include or see what you understand about what I'm saying. Because mostly you can be aware of the body in a very um, relaxed way. Being aware of the contact or the touch or the, aliveness or the movement or the or the sensations or the feeling of body and then you'll hear I'm talking you're listening as long as the mic's working good enough the words come in but they're you're not just in the words you're here in the living presence that is hearing the words and so the awareness starts to ground us in a different way into the living reality of this. And when I'm saying this, I'm pointing at my body. I mean your body, your aliveness, your hereness. And that is what the Buddha kept pointing at over and over about the hereness or the immediacy or the aliveness that can be known directly and immediately moment by moment by moment. And to play with it, if you don't, if, because, you know, it sounds like, a, maybe, I don't know if it sounds like, but it could sound like, oh, yeah, I should be able to do that. And then you, you notice how you end up just thinking about things or, or commenting about things or talking about things or, or thinking about what happened last week or, you know, what time is this going to be over? Or, you know, and you're aware of all of that too, but you can start to get here in the present moment through the body, because the body's right here. And it's funny, I once um, got hired to teach an outward bound program at USF, because I was teaching meditation at USF for many, USF for many years. And then they had this Outward Bound program or some youth program. And they said, oh, would you come in and teach mindfulness there? And I'm like, sure, I'll come in. And, and so, but I don't think about it beforehand. I didn't know exactly what I was getting into. And so I come into a room and there's like 40 young people, young meaning teenagers. Um, and it's like, and they're looking at me like, oh, who's this little guy? And what's he going to do for us now? Because they were not 
they were not expecting meditation. <laughs> and, uh, and it was very interesting. And they were, um, and it was not, it was a very diverse group of young people, right? Different colors and different um, races and different origins, different cultures. And so I'm like, you know, a little bit in my mind, I'm going, oh shit, what am I going to do for these kids? You know, and, and, I, and, and I had a quick, spontaneous thing. And, uh, and so then I get introduced, oh, I'm going to teach meditation. And so I'm like, okay, how can I get these people interested? And so I said, um, anybody interested in having good sex? <laughs> and that caught their attention. And, so, and then, yeah, and, and then one, one young man, he jumped up and sat cross-legged immediately. <laughs> and, so, yeah. and I said, well, here's the key. If you want to have good sex, you need to be here, and you need to be in your body. So let's do a little meditation about how to be in your body. And they were like, cool, okay, let's give that a try. You know, that, that kept me going for about 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, it was actually a great group of people. But, but it's really the same question for all of us. Do we want to be here? And if we want to be here, can we get here in our body? And, and here could mean at this group, at a meditation, at work, at sports, at play, at fun, at difficult. What does it mean to start to land here in the present moment as an embodied being? Because we are all embodied, at least for a certain amount of time. And, um, <clears throat> and the body, we've already, I gave a little bit of body instruction, but also there's a lot more, and I'm gonna go over the body instructions more thoroughly over the next number of weeks. Because just being aware of your posture right now, don't change it, don't change it, just be aware of it the way it is, right? Because the Buddha taught in four basic postures, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, and then he also taught a whole other section about being aware of the body that's called in movement. When you're reaching, being aware of the body. Or when you're, you know, eating, being aware of the body. Or when you're defecating, being aware of the body. This is in the text, so it's totally kosher Buddhism to take a shit. And, <laughs> and, uh, and meaning to be a real human being and using the human beingness as the practice to wake up. And that, to my mind, is really good, really cool, that's really what I wanted to say. And so being aware of the body, the postures, the, the different uh, textures, temperatures, aliveness, the different ways the body is alive right now while I'm talking. And you don't have to be aware of all of it. But whatever you're aware of, start to let your consciousness mingle with the direct experience of whatever you're aware of in your body. Whether it's your breath, whether it's the sensations of the nostril, or the rising and falling of the torso, or the touch of your hands on your shoulders or your legs, or whatever it might be. 
and you start to get closer to it so that consciousness is not knowing something from afar, but is knowing it immediately, directly. It's, it's actually a very sensual part of practice. And that's what's being caused, called for is the, is the immediacy or the hereness or the nowness of meditation practice, only we can do it 24-7. <clears throat> and we'll do some other pieces. There's the four elements of earth, air, fire, and water that one can feel in the body. And we'll do some investigative practices around the body and our relationship. And then just see for yourself for a second. Are you here? Are you aware? Are you in your body? Are you aware of your body right now? And can you relax with the being aware of your body right now, however it is? Because you don't have to actually fix anything or change anything. Because it's one of the, in my language, cool things about awareness is it can go anywhere. And it can go right into the direct experience of what's here. <clears throat> and so the Buddha kept pointing at it and pointing at mindfulness of the body as such an important part of our practice and how to let practice permeate our life. So it's not just something we're doing sitting on a cushion or when we come to a group like this, which is all good, or when we go on a meditation retreat and we're sitting 16 hours a day or whatever the sitting and walking meditation is. But even that, it's still all body. It takes a body to come to a group. It takes a body to go on a retreat. It takes a body to do eating meditation, which is, of course, a great place to practice, great time to practice. <clears throat> and one of the, here's one of the beautiful poems from the teachings from the Theragata, uh, from Ananda, who was the Buddhist disciple and, and attendant for many years. And he, he's talking about what happened for him after the Buddha died, and which was um, upsetting for people who were the Buddha's followers, for many of them, not for everybody, but for many of them. And Ananda writes afterwards, he says, all the directions are obscure. The teachings are not clear to me. With our benevolent friend gone, it seems as if all is darkness. Right? He's, he's grieving the loss of the Buddha, and which think we would all grieve if we had a living Buddha sitting here. He said, all the directions are obscure, the teachings are not clear to me. With our benevolent friend gone, it seems as if all is darkness. For, for one whose friend has passed away, the Buddha was the friend, capital F, for one whose friend has passed away, one whose teacher is gone for good, there is no friend that can compare with mindfulness of the body. 
this is your personal teacher, right? Because for this life, guess what? This is the deal, right? This is the body we have for this life. And you, one, we may like it, we may not like it, it may be a good body, a bad body, but this is still it. And so Buddhism is saying, oh, get a little closer. Start to become aware of the body, about the physicality of the aliveness that's sitting right here. That you don't even have to do anything and the aliveness is right here. <coughs> and so Analyo again talked a lot about embodied awareness, even as he then built the whole Satipatthana Sutta on the embodied awareness. <coughs> He said, the first thing upon which we meditate is our precious and fleeting human life. The first thing that we meditate on is our precious and fleeting human life. Hard to obtain, easy to destroy. I will now give it meaning. Because for Kali Rinpoche, this is where we discover the real meaning of life. And it doesn't mean it's the only meaning. There's a lot of meaning in life, but there's something that underlies everything we care about, and it's already sitting here, and we want to keep discovering it. The preciousness and the term that's used in Buddhism, and it's used often, is uh, precious human life. That what's sitting here is precious human life. And it's one of the things that we often forget how precious human life is, and meaning how precious our own life is, right? But it's something that we can start to wake up to. And different, different occurrences may wake us up. If we, if we become parents at some point, it wakes us up to how precious and amazing and mysterious human life is, right? Like, oh, here's a newbie. If you've ever been around at birth, it's, it's cool. I mean, you know, everything going well and all that. But, you know, like all of a sudden there's this new person. And the whole thing, they're right here. And they're ready to eat or be cleaned almost immediately, you know. But the, and they continue to be here if all goes well, right? This precious human life lives and, and, okay, so right, I'm just first describing the baby. Those babies, you know where those babies are? <laughs> They're right here. They're just a little older now. They've, that precious humanness is right here. Whether you're 10 or 20 or 30, 45, 6, 7, 80, 90, if you're here, that preciousness is right here. And we often lose touch with the preciousness of human life. And the Buddha pointed at it over and over and over again. The preciousness. He said, our body is precious. It is a vehicle for awakening. Treat it with care. And so this is part of our, becomes a part of our practice, is how we take care of our life how we take care of our living aliveness, our humanness, 
that won't be here forever. I can promise you that. It's one of the few things I'm very pretty sure of. <coughs> So the precious human birth, that's really how it's put, put, precious human birth. The valuing of life, of birth, and the mystery of the human aliveness. <clears throat> and the Buddha points to it over and over again. One of the things he points to is the teachings of the Dharma point to impermanence, right? Have you noticed your body isn't permanent? Everybody got that? Anybody not know that? Just one person says they don't, oh no, you, you know, okay. You were shaking your head, <laughs> right? It's, it's all impermanent. And, and so we are living impermanence. We are impermanence that is alive for a while. And, it's a, and to start to tune into the body, you, you get a taste of that. Right? Even if, you know, whatever age you are, you used to be a younger age. You remember that? Remember how real that seemed when you were 10? Like that was reality, or 12, or 15, or, right? And then it just changes. It keeps changing. And <coughs> the Impermanence, this is from the Dalai Lama, he said, awareness of impermanence is encouraged so that when it is coupled with our appreciation for the enormous potential of our human existence, it will give us a sense of urgency that I must use every precious moment. Right? Awareness of impermanence is encouraged so that when it is coupled with our appreciation of the enormous potential of our human existence, it will give us a sense of urgency that I must, be, I must use every precious moment. And, it, and remember, notice how you hear a, a teaching like that from the Dalai Lama, because it doesn't mean you can't have fun, or do whatever is important to you. But what does it mean to stay aware whatever you're doing, right? If you went to the Giants game today, that's a great place to practice, especially when they win, you know, because they, they played okay today. Or if you're going to the symphony, or if you're going to I've been, I've been going to some little plays lately, and that's been really interesting. There's a play called, uh, maybe I mentioned it last week, I don't know. Uh, uh, Black Virgins Are Not For Hipsters. <laughs> that was a great play, and it's still playing. She's doing a few nights. I can't remember the theater. But, the, but, Mar pardon? the Marsh. The Marsh, thank you, thank you, yeah. Yeah, really good. Two more weeks. Pardon? Two more weeks. Two more weeks. Great. Thank you. And then the other night, what did I say? I saw a play called Now for Now at Z Theater. And the only reason I remember Z Theater because I went to the building which I hadn't been in in 20 years and said, is this Theater Artaud? Because it used to be Theater Artaud many, many years ago. 
So, but those are all great places to practice theater, ball game, or you know, having dinner with your family, or doing the dishes, or you know, having you know, taking a bike ride, or going swimming, or hanging out with friends, or playing poker, or or having sex. That's again, you've already heard. I think that's a good place to really be aware of your body. You know, and so to start to practice, to see, oh, there's something that can happen all the time and that keeps supporting, nourishing the fruit of what's possible in human life, in any part, in every part of human life. <coughs> So there are a lot of beautiful quotes about the body and aliveness and the preciousness. <clears throat> you know, again, Kali Rinpoche, we will never again have the chance to be born into a body like this one. Right? This is a one-time deal. Even if we're even if we're reborn, I'm not a big. I don't know about rebirth. If if it happens, I'm curious. You know, let's see what happens. But. But I like to speak from my own very direct experience. This experience of being alive, totally amazing. And I've had enough close experience with death in the last few years so that I have a, I have a good appreciation for both death and that's potential and, and the normalcy of death, which it totally is, totally normal. But also it's kind of cool to be here especially given the fact we won't always be here. And so the mindfulness of death is part of the mindfulness of the body teaching in the Satipatthana Sutta. And it's there because it's a normal part of what happens to the body. Bodies die. Right? We all know this intellectually. We're often not so in touch with it directly. That, that actual truth of that this body's gonna die, right? Just like each of these bodies will die. And so it's personal and it's universal at the same time, right? I mean, you could just look around the room and see all these people, all these bodies are gonna die. And it's, you know, it's, it's normal, which is the paradox of the Dharma, which is the way things are is not inherently bad. It may not be what we want or what we like or anything like that. I'm not saying that. And there's, of course, grief, you know, happens just like it happened for Ananda. But, <coughs> but it happens that people die, we die. So, I want to do a little, I'm going to do a little different practice during part of this teaching on the body. We'll do some more active sangha practice. And we'll do it this way. I'm going to give instructions. And please, um, see what happens as you do the sangha practice. We'll get in groups of three, and we'll take about, oh, maybe four, four minutes each. I'll ring a bell. 
And while you're sitting in the group of three, one person will speak at a time, two other people will listen. The listening people, you're being aware of your body and the listening to this other person, right? So, so if you were speaking, Nita, I'd be aware of my body, myself, and you both, right? And I'm aware and aware of what's happening in the body, what's not happening, just, and, and Nina will be, and I'm listening and I'm going to be taking in what you're saying. And then we'll switch and then second person would go, then I would talk or you would listen. And here's, here's the key is stay aware of your body while you're listening and the harder one while you're talking. Because we're never trained how to do this in the meditation practice that's silent. And everybody thinks it'll just transfer into our daily life. Guess what? It doesn't just transfer. We have to start to, if we learn how to practice, like right now when I'm talking, if I stay aware of my body and what I'm saying, then the awareness starts to permeate the experience. And that changes the whole experience of the living reality of practice. So we're getting groups of three, um, getting groups, and then I'll ring a bell, and then we'll go from there. And we'll, we'll do this quick. And you may have a lot of feelings or ideas about doing it. It often uh, makes people nervous or scares people. Raise your hand if you don't have a group. Raise your hand if you don't have a group. Here, over here. Raise your hand if you don't have a group. For a moment, then you could shut your eyes for a moment. And so you want to be start to be aware right now, aware of your body, and of course you'll also be aware of your heart and mind, of what you're thinking about this or what you're feeling about it. You don't have to get rid of that, but keep orienting a little bit more to your body, to your breath. Could be your breath, or could just be your body. You could notice, you know, if you get nervous, you'll notice your heart rate a little bit or your pulse rate. And of course, it's fine to relax. And then the person with the shortest hair will go first. And what you'll talk about just for a couple of minutes What's it like for you to be aware of your body right now while you're talking? Talk about what it's like for you to be aware of your body right now while you're talking. And I'll give a little example. Like I'm aware of my hand moving, and I'm aware of my breath now that I really focus on it a little bit. And uh, then I'm aware of the touch of my body on the ground. And I'm aware of seeing uh, 
the other bodies, the bodies that are outside my bodies, your bodies, and I'm aware of my breath going a little slower, and I'm actually aware of relaxing physically a little more as I do this. And now I'm aware of appreciating the room and the, the sense of being embodied here with other people and my a little bit of excitement in my body about that. Something like that. You can include, you don't have to just stay with the body, but include your reaction to the experience and, and then include your body. Okay, go ahead, give it a go. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.